This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, as you heard in Bob's news, the annual sunshine list is out and it is up nearly 15% this year. That is, of course, the list of public servants earning more than $100,000. That was started by Mike Harris back in 1996 and that 15% adds up to another 19,000 employees making six figures. The current PC government is putting its own spin on it, calling it unsustainable, setting the stage for job cuts, perhaps. And a big highlight of the list, the numbers for Kathleen Wynne's top departing staffers. So former chief of staff, Andrew Bevan, who earned $313,922 in 2017, saw a jump to over 552000 the following year. And deputy chief of staff, Mary Rowe, was paid over $428,000, up from 259. Now, Wynne defended those numbers. Uh, she said it was comparable to other people in those roles. And uh, John Fraser, the interim leader of the Liberals, said, oh, he had nothing to do with it. The Liberals had nothing to do with this. This is government severance. Obviously, severance is included there, but these are political appointments. And one thing you have to remember, severance is one thing when you're paying out people who've been working for a long time, but uh, these these guys weren't. Mary Rowe was there for less than two years with an eye-popping severance that, frankly, was probably written into the contract when she signed on. So before we get to our commentators, uh, just Another bits, tidbits from this. So the top three earners on the sunshine list, Jeff Lyash, the president and CEO of Ontario Power Generation at $1.7 million. Darren Smith, president and chief investment officer of the University of Toronto Asset Management Corporation, just under a million, 989,000. 300 and Glenn Yeager, nuclear president and chief nuclear officer of OPG at just under $963,000. Those are the eye popping numbers. Having said that, one more thing I want to throw out there. 100K isn't what it used to be. Its value today would have been $67,000 back when the list was started. That is still a lot more than the average salary of 55000 but, you know, 100000 doesn't make you rich these days. So to parse these numbers and the political impact, if there will be one, let's go to Jason Leader, President of Enterprise Canada, and John Mikatishan, the President of Bradgate Research. Hi there. Hello. How's it going? Great. Okay, let's start with Jason. Uh, what do you think of this year's list, and uh, will it serve a political purpose for the Ford government? 
You know, every, yeah, I think the answer to that is yes. The last question you asked me, it's funny. The, the, you know, every year this, this is sort of, uh, like watching a car accident. Everybody goes and scrambles to the list and sees how much their former coworkers or the people they've met or have made or whatever. And there's that part, part of it, but there is a political implication to what Ms. Wynn did, um, you know, giving her top team. And remember, this was, you know, the SS no chance campaign going in. You had a ton of staff, volunteers working really hard for essentially no money with essentially no chance to win. They're working from 6 a.m. till midnight uh, every day for months. And the chief of staff, Andrew Bevan, uh, gets a $400,000 severance. Essentially, it's that. He made $150,000 in salary and a $400,000 severance payment. Some of the other top officials as well. And it just sticks in people's crops. So this isn't only an issue amongst conservatives who think maybe government is too big and maybe Kathleen Wynne spent a little bit too much money. But i got to tell you, there's some liberals in my office and in and around uh, Toronto yesterday that were wondering, wait a second. Those guys paid themselves all that money, and we were all left to die on the vine. So I think they're – listen, this isn't going to be a long-term um, political implication for the Liberals. Number one, Kathleen Wynne is no longer the leader. Number two, uh, it wasn't really in dispute whether or not she was spending too much money or not. I think that's one of the reasons why she lost, lost the election. But I will say it cements her legacy, and it's a, uh, for, for, a, for, for a nice person who was not a great premier, it's not a good legacy to, to finish up on. John McCutition, am I right to begin with that these – numbers, and and Mary Rowe, by the way, is also one of her best friends, that that these severances would have been written into their contract, you know, on day one. Am I wrong uh, by thinking that? No, and and it goes to the, uh, it, it points to the bigger issue with the Liberal Party, right? Out of touch, not connected with reality, totally not understanding how government works. It's supposed to be for the people, not for the insiders. And, you know, I mean, it just stinks. And and I don't think you'll see, uh, will be interesting is, because I agree with Jason, that, you know, it's it's been the same old, same old for 15 years. And I think what you'll see in the next two or three years is a change in that list. And when I say that, uh, we now have a government that's looking at everybody's uh, paycheck from a different perspective. The way it used to be, uh, which was the norm, uh, was how much did you, how much do you want to get paid if you're a friend, and uh, what kind of severance can we give you as a parachute? But the, the the starting point was always how much did the last person get? We'll pay you more. Whereas Ford's coming from a place of, if you look at the hydro guys, how much do we need to pay somebody? And there ought to be a cap on jobs that are paid for from the taxpayer. So I think uh, the number of people on these lists, the the calculus for it is changing, going to change radically moving forward. Uh, uh, Jason, do you see uh, this somehow as a setup? Uh, you know, we we've seen Premier Ford go from nobody's going to lose these jobs to you know. Only these fat cats are going to lose their jobs. And, and, uh, I know that the heads of Lynn's were featured on this list and they make lots of money, I must say. Uh, so is this setting the stage for cutting some pretty big jobs? I, I think it is. Um, and I just wanted to comment on one thing. The question you asked, John, and then I'll get into that one just quickly, uh, Libby. The, 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 the standard severance coming out of these is either a week per year, uh, 
for uh, a year of service or up to four months. It's sort of at the end of an election, usually it's a four month severance package. So, you know, if you were, if you were making a hundred and hundred thousand dollars, that's a $25,000 severance package kind of thing. It's sort of standard after these election losses, which I think most of the parties generally don't criticize each other, each other for the problem with these. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of, it's the public service actually has some guidelines on this. Uh, chiefs of staff and ministers are able to up it or, you know, pay less if a person just started, all that kind of stuff. But the sort of standard is, 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 is four months and maybe a little bit less. So that's, that's what, you know, happened the last time there was a change in government in 2003. So what happens roughly in Ottawa, you know, that kind of stuff. There's a three or four month severance period. So that's one of the reasons why I think people, insiders like, like John and, and, and I, who've been through this process and watched this process, are so sort of flabbergasted with what the Liberals did, you know, and, and only doing it for the top people is something that, uh, you know, uh, you know, John said sort of for the people. And I got to say, it's, it's the most anti for the people thing that you can actually do is just handling the, handing the fat cats, the big one, one and two year salary continuances on the issue that you asked. I think that is, that is what this list can be used for is, and, and I don't think it's just about, about cuts. It's about, listen, in Linz, for example, in the healthcare restructuring, the Ford government's going to do it. It's about getting rid of a bunch of administration. And some of it's, some of it's useful and some of it's not. That's the trick to healthcare restructuring is figuring out who's actually doing work to get uh, frontline care to patients and investing in doctors and nurses and that kind of stuff. Like if you think about, think about the doc, they just signed an agreement with the, the OMA that costs them about seven or eight hundred million dollars more this year. Well, I wouldn't mind, and I think most Ontarians don't mind, if you get some of that money from getting rid of some of these Lynn fat cats who are making several hundred thousand dollars a year. I'd rather pay a doctor a few hundred thousand dollars a year than I'd pay some sort of administrator at a Lynn. And I think that's the sort of calculus that they're making, and that's the kind of argument they're going to be making going forward. Okay, yes. Uh, now, uh, but again, so, uh, you know, the criticism from the opposition from Andrea Horvath was saying, you know, just wait till we see what happens under the Ford government. And one of the things that was pointed out, and I doubt that this would appear on a sunshine list is, for instance, giving Ruben Devlin that three-year contract for over a million dollars, over $300,000 a year to do his thing. Uh, would that even appear on a sunshine list? And how many more of those are we going to find out or not find out about? Under the Conservatives. Silence. Who wants to take that? John? Well, I, I, look, the, the, the fact that we know what Ruben's getting paid, I think, that should be putting him on that list. Uh, we know how much the Premier's Chief of Staff makes. We know how much, um, you know, the Premier makes. Um, so I'm thinking everybody's going to be uh, on that list. And to go back to my earlier point, one of the, you know, the, the great things of Harris's legacy is the fact that we can even have this conversation every year. And, you know, since, uh, you know, since the Liberals came to power, it was uh, how many more people and how much more can we pay people on the public uh, coffers. Uh, today, we're having a different conversation for the first time in 15 years. And it's only because this information is public that we're having the conversation. So, you know, good for Andrea. Um, you know, I, I don't think she's advocating that she would be paying anybody less, but, uh, I hope she does hold the uh, premier and the government to account because he's, he's in there on a pledge to do better and to not pay people more than he needs to pay people for a position. And we'll find out for the next three years before the next election, how he does. 
because this this list is primarily from last year out of his control, but uh, the next three years are all on him. Okay, I'd like to give the numbers out again. I'd like to hear from people. What do you think when you hear about these salaries and severances? Uh, nearly a million bucks for Kathleen Wynn's top two departing staffer. And news to me, I'm now hearing from Jason Leader that actually after an election, the standard is more or less four months pay, which I guess no one would argue with because those jobs aren't exactly secure. Uh, so what do you think of that, people. Also, the eye-popping salaries from Ontario Power Generation, from Asset Management, U of T Asset Management, from and from Lynn CEOs. I have to look those up, but they were pretty big. They make an average of, I think, around $350,000. That's the 14 local health integration networks, which are now slated for the chopping block, I guess, along with most of those big salaries. What do you think? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And Jason Leader, this is coming at a time when we're seeing polls that people are most concerned about making ends meet. Everything is more expensive. Affordability is a big issue. You know, it it kind of sticks in people's craw, I guess. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I, listen, I, we're, we're, we're at a time where, you know, the, the you know, uh, Mr. Trudeau, for example, is telling us that Canada's economy has never been better. And in some ways, he's right. And in other ways, people are feeling anxiety and frustration, and they're feeling like they can't really make ends meet. And that's, that's the sort of election we had in Ontario between Mr. Ford and, and Ms. Wynne. And Mr. Ford's challenge is to to make measurable impacts over the course of the next four years so that he can go to people in the next election and say, I sort of stopped the, in the, this incredible growth in your hydro bills. Uh, you know, we're, I'm lowering your taxes a bit. I've, I've sort of cut the cost of government a little bit, so it's not so expensive. That's the kind of re-election pledge that Mr. Ford has to make. And I think, but I think maybe you've hit, up, hit on the, the nail on the head. And it's one of the reasons why I didn't understand Ms. Ms. Horvath's spin yesterday, which is, you know, Doug Ford's going to have a bigger sunshine list than, like, he, he's already capped executive pay across the government. I know there's a couple of examples that people want to highlight, but you know, he's not going to pay more people more than, than, than the last guy. The last election was mostly about the $6 million man at the hydro thing, and he fired him. You know, he got rid of him. So I don't understand their spin, you know, whether is he cutting too much or is he not cutting enough? I don't really know what they mean by that, but I think you're bang on. The politician who doesn't think about affordability, doesn't talk about affordability the way you're talking about it, is a politician that is in peril. It doesn't matter what level of government, doesn't matter what party, it doesn't matter um, any of those things, because Can- Canadians are feeling anxious, and they see what's happening south of the border, and they don't want it to happen here as well, and, and they don't want to lose the standard of living that we've got, and I think any- everybody has to keep that in mind. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Bruce in Toronto. Hi, Bruce. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, I, I think the uh, the salaries for the departing senior staff of Ms. Wynne and the Liberals uh, is something that uh, the Elections Commission should be looking into. I think this has less to do with severance than it does have to do with paying exorbitant uh, salaries for people to do election work, which is strictly regulated and controlled. There are spending limits in an election. There are, uh, you know, work to done. I think they have blurred the line between the Premier's office 
in liberal partisan politics. Well, you just to, I just going to jump in there. You, you'd have to sure. prove that because I actually think these people didn't have a lot to do during the election because they were helping her run the office. And, you know, I know what I've seen among staffers is that they're really careful when they switch from government mode to election mode, because if they get caught mixing the two, it can be very bad. Well, I think that's uh, that's something that I would. Uh, that's why I think the elections commission, Ontario elections commission, should be looking into this. Uh, I think you know what is political work and what is uh, government work are two very different things. And were they being careful, or are they getting their big payoff? As for Mr. Ford changing the tune. You know, let's take a look at, you know, you look at the OPP where he's giving jobs to his friends uh, or trying to. Um, and, you know, the real payoff for the Conservatives won't come in half a million dollar severance packages. It will come in the profiteering that they're going to do when he privatizes health care, long term care, uh, public transit. You know, these are just massive boondoggles. You know, you watch OPG. It's interesting. OPG ends up on the sunshine list, but Hydro One doesn't because Wynn privatized it. So by privatizing a small portion of Hydro One, takes it off the sunshine list. Tory payout and the payout for Doug Ford to his pals will come in the terms of their profiteering from what he well, privatizes and sells off. Well, let's let's not libel them. That's what uh, you're predicting. They are saying they won't do that. But uh, I know that uh, that's what a lot of people are thinking. Bruce, thanks for your call. All right. Uh, Jason Leader and John McCutition, what would you like to leave us with on this? Well, like in that last caller, um, you know, I, I think what the last 15 years has given us, and to be fair, federally, and what we see south of the border, is a state right now where everybody is cynical. And that comes from a fundamental place, as Jason said earlier. The people aren't doing well. They're not feeling happy and optimistic about the future. They're worrying about their kids. And, you know, we're in a, we're in a tenuous situation as a society right now where, you know, people don't believe the mainstream media and often with good reason. So it's going to be an interesting couple of years to see if uh, uh, the premier can turn things around. And uh, I'd suggest people uh, deal with facts rather than creating, you know, adding to the problem with their own uh, uh, conspiracy theories. Okay. And Jason, what would you like to leave us with quickly? Ah, uh, yeah, no. The, the, this sunshine list story—it comes and goes. I think the liberals and Kathleen Wynne specifically. Like, I, I got to say that they knew this day was coming, and I feel bad for—I feel bad for John Fraser, who's a good man who wouldn't have signed off on these severances. And I got to say, uh, you know, they're—they're—they're they're, they're exorbitant. They're too much. And uh, and I think you know the liberal brand is you're trying to sort of pull it out of the dumpster if you're if you're John Fraser and whoever the new leader is this is the kind of yoke that you didn't need thrown around your neck and uh, and you know Kathleen it's sort of like one final uh, present to the party uh, and you open it up and it's worse than you expected so uh, you know. Uh, they've got their work cut out for them. Okay. Thank you both, Jason Leader and John Mikatishan. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay. We are going to bring in Peter Tabbins from the NDP. He's the energy critic. Hi, Peter. How are you? 
I'm well. Okay, so what do you think of the Sunshine List and specifically these eye-popping severances for Kathleen Wynne's top two staffers? Well, I, I think if people are upset with the Sunshine List this year, they should wait until next year when all of the, the goodies and rewards that Ford has dished out to his buddies bringing them on the gravy train are going to start showing up. I mean, Libby, you're probably aware of that. Cameron Montgomery got a $140,000 salary plus per diems to be the chair of the Education Quality and Accountability Office. The previous person got 5000 a year. I mean, that's that's amazing. Well, maybe the job has changed for, for five th- worth 3600 a year. I mean, that's definitely a, a very small part-time job. Uh, um, so I'd like to see if that's, this has become a full-time job because those test scores, you know, we aren't doing really well in those. Yeah, but we, we, didn't, need, we didn't need a full-time person to replace a previous part-time chair. If we've got a problem with the testing, um, that's an issue with the staff, not with the chair. And, and it isn't just that. I mean, the guy, Ian Todd, Ford's campaign tour director, trade representative to Washington, getting 350000 bucks a year. I think he's getting more than the ambassador. Uh, Definitely. This is a very, very generous premier, Doug Ford. If you're a friend of his, you can be sure that he will be kind to you. Well, you know, uh, you know, as one of our previous guests was saying, why let's concentrate on the list we have in front of us. And well, yeah, rather that, than... that only tells you a bit of the story. Libby, I mean, the, the real story is going to come up next year when all of these friends and Well, we'll and do next year's story next year, but uh, let's ah, talk well, about... Well, make sure you call me, Libby. Don't hold back. I won't, but right <laughs> now I've got you on the line with this year's concrete black and white numbers. So what do you make of particularly those two severances? We just heard from Jason Leader that the standard after an election, about four months pay. Well, then they should have gotten the standard. Do you think that there's anything particularly egregious about that? Well, the Liberals were egregious throughout their rule here. Let's face it, they were very generous with themselves, just as Ford is being with himself now. And if they were making uh, or paying out substantial amounts of money beyond what would be normal, don't be surprised. That's the way the Liberals operated, and that's the way Ford operates. Okay, uh, I'm, one of the things that we have heard Ford say, we'll have to see if he follows through on that, is that you don't have to pay people as much as they were paid under the Liberal regime. Do you, in a general way, think that for a lot of these jobs you have to pay private sector salaries, especially when, you know, people, for instance, don't get private sector pensions, in the private sector don't get public sector pensions. Uh, Do you agree with that, that those numbers can be cut, that we don't have to pay the head of OPG those insane sums? No, well, I, I always thought that the amount we were paying for the head of OPG was way out of line just as I thought it was way out of line for the person who was the head of Hydro One. Uh, I think we've been paying in the past before the Liberals privatized Hydro One, what we were somewhere in the 600000 700000 per year range, which is a bit higher than Quebec Hydro pays its chief executive officer, but in that range for a public sector executive. I don't see why you'd pay $1.5, 1. $1.7 It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, you don't have people who are out trying to uh, hustle the market. They've got a fairly static industry. Now, you have to have intelligent, capable people. uh, And to do that, 
you're going to have to pay an executive salary, but you don't have to pay what's being paid out in the private sector where executives or CEOs are getting the tens of millions of dollars in annual payments. That's that's outrageous. We shouldn't be anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. And do you, are you happy that at least the public commitment is? He said he's not going to do that anymore. Well, I, I personally don't believe anything Doug Ford says. I've been listening to him. Uh, he lost. He had to back off when he was slandering Chief Bill Blair back when he was on council. And I see him lie in the council, sorry, in the legislative assembly on a regular basis. So I don't believe him. Uh, frankly. Um, it's a nice sentiment. I'm sure it's popular. Uh, I think people are feeling really hard-pressed. People are trying to make do on salaries in a world that's increasingly more unaffordable for them. And when Ford says that, then it, it appeals to people. But I wouldn't believe him on that, based on what he's doing now with the salaries he's giving his friends. And frankly, with the expansion of the top echelons of the Ontario Energy Board of the bill that we're debating right now, I think his friends are going to be very well off, and I think people will be very put off when they see all of that. When it comes to something like that contract for Ruben Devlin, who is looking into how to get rid of uh, hallway medicine, which yep. is over 300000 a year, is that something that would actually appear on the Sunshine List because he's not an employee, it's a contract? Well, that is a very interesting question, Libby, and he may well have structured it so it doesn't. I would hope that it would, um, but Libby, you've raised a really good point. That's, that's a good one. Those kinds of salaries, those kinds of advisory positions where you're paying quite an outrageous amount should be showing up on the list. But we, we know about them, though. They're not a secret. No, they're not. But what we don't know, and you don't know and I don't know, is whether there are others that we haven't heard the numbers on. I mean, we know that uh, Jenny Byrne, Ford's former principal secretary, moved to the OEB with a salary of 197000 a year. And this is a person who, although she has great political capability, uh, and she's noted for that, isn't qualified for the job at the OEB. She doesn't have a law or engineering background. She doesn't have background on electricity or natural gas. Um, with no, no aspersions cast on her because she's a very capable political operator, why on earth is she there with that kind of salary? And what you and I don't know is whether there are others that haven't shown up yet. Mm-hmm. What is your conclusion? I mean, these sunshine lists come out every year. What's your kind of conclusion on this? Uh, you know, I, I am thinking that this will serve as a backup and he, he's going to be cutting jobs. He's also, he's already said he's cutting kind of fat cat executive jobs like head of Lynn's. So. Well, yeah, I don't believe that. I mean, he may be cutting those people. Um, but, uh, he, you know, if you give someone a $350,000 a year job as a trade rep in Washington, as your former campaign tour director, no, you're not cutting things. You're making sure that your friends are well taken care of. And I think that will be the big story when the next Sunshine List comes out with the hard black and white print. But Libby, you and I know today from what's already in the press that Ford's friends are being treated very well and people in Ontario are going to resent that. 
Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see. As I said, I would rather deal with the numbers that we're seeing in front of us rather than speculating on what we're going to see next year. And, hey, we'll need stories to cover next year as well. Give me a call. I will. And and long before that, Peter. Okay. Thank you very much for being with us. Thanks. Take care. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.